0: So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. Hey everybody, Jerry here with another exclusive offer for our loyal Kafaro Cast listeners. Our friends over at All in Company are giving listeners 10% off their all-new magnetic digiscoping system. And, did I mention free shipping? That's right. 10% off plus free shipping. So head on over to Allin.co, that's O-L-L-I-N.co, and enter in the promo code KAFARU, all caps, to save yourself 10% and get free shipping. Now here's Aaron with the podcast welcome to kafaru cast everyone it is i don't know what day it is actually i think it's tuesday or wednesday i've actually been uh doing my old job all week which is glazing putting in uh doors and windows at the new kafaru headquarters with my good friend clint westerberg from uh santa fe glass down in denver he came up and helped us out but uh i guess while we're talking about riverton the new building uh, i can introduce uh, my guest it's patrick edwards and you're with the wyoming business council
1: yeah that's correct
0: so I should know that. So I, I met Patrick <laughs> with uh, different grants and, and things like that that, that Wyoming offers. We've we become good friends and, and known each other fairly quickly in the last not too long as far as that goes. <laughs> actually, you're going to become real good friends with McKenzie now, but welcome yeah. aboard, man. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. It's great.
0: And, uh, and Patrick's actually here at my house. He's not on a cell phone and, and you live in Riverton
1: yeah just about like 15 minutes from here so yeah it's 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 pretty cool i my family and i moved up here about seven years ago and it's been a really good move for us we like the community here yeah and we we've kind of
0: found it was it was um we we came up when i say we my my business partner and i um and we we looked at multiple states multiple different areas we looked at like heber city utah and uh my my business partner already has a business in riverton and he had brought that up and for me, you know, I knew obviously Wyoming, I'm in mean Colorado and, and, uh, was, was very open to it. And so we drove up here, kind of just looked around and then we looked, um, Lander, uh, had, um, uh, talked to us about moving into, into Lander and some of the different, uh, grants and different options, as far as that goes, uh, with the government kind of wanting, um, I guess how they had put it, like uh, they don't want to always uh, depend on oil and gas. Was is, is that and and want to and build up other uh, ways for people to have jobs in the community?
1: Yeah. So historically, Wyoming has been almost 100% energy based, right? So we've had oil and gas, coal. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Wyoming is a huge exporter of electricity. So. You know, Wyoming is kind of like one of the energy capitals of the world, if you really think about it. You know, as far as in the United States, you basically have Wyoming, Texas, and Louisiana um, are the really big, you know, energy producers. And Wyoming's just kind of lived off of that. Um, The other thing that has been a big boon is obviously tourism. And so those have been the two primary things. And so the state's really put a high emphasis on diversifying know what kind of businesses in the economy here yeah and when we looked at lander there was nothing wrong with with lander but it wasn't um a fit
0: for us and it was it was weird um you know being probably more candid than i should be i had people telling me do not move to riverton um well we well i mean you know for for me like anything i do whether it be gear archery equipment or boots i just test it so we we came and visited riverton um looked around looked at different housing looked you know looked at the community in general and we were a better fit i thought for riverton you know and so we then started looking at buildings obviously my wife's a realtor she has a a wyoming uh, license for reality and whatever else she does with this i'm not sure but um (laughs) and so she started to organize different you know looking at buildings things like that and so we looked at a few different buildings and what was funny was the building we bought was one she had sent us uh, or sent us info on earlier. And we call, I called in, you know, typical husband, wife, I asked her about it. She's basically like, look, dummy, I sent you that like two weeks ago. And I'm like, (laughs) well, we're going to go look at it. And so there was nobody, that wasn't actually presented to us. We drove over there and looked at it and we were like, saw that it what it could be, which is, is now what it is. Obviously Shane, uh, he's a local contractor. We hired, um, Turned it into an, an amazing facility, and so you know, on on my end, um, I really don't even want to leave my house, right? Like, there's no traffic. I can get, <laughs> I get to, I can rock to work in probably two and a half hours, or, or ride my bike in forty minutes. But it's fifteen minutes out of town. There's no traffic. Everybody's been great to deal with. Um, so it's it's been. A pleasant surprise I mean I have obviously an archery range at my house but the community in general from my experience so far has been great now I got pulled over um, speeding if you can believe that uh <laughs> And, uh, the, he was, it was a sheriff actually. And he, mm-hmm. he was super cool. He pulled me over just to talk to me. Basically he's like, Hey, you were speeding. I'm not going to give you a ticket. Uh, do you guys, the, you you're the guy that owns Kafaru?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah that was, that's me. <laughs> and we bullshitted for like 20 minutes, you know, on the side of the road and he was a super cool guy. So the community has been very welcoming, uh, you know, here, I, I love it here.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's just a great place you can settle in and, You know i i don't come from a huge town i grew up in cheyenne wyoming which is you know six times the size of here but the thing i like about it is like you said there's not a ton of traffic you can get away from people pretty easy like if you decide you want to leave on the weekend you don't have to go very far to get away from people and get outside so that's one of the things i enjoy I like taking my kids hunting and fishing and camping and different things it's easy to do here
0: there's fishing very close um actually yeah. <laughs> very close and and dan and um kenneth they hit the the mountains every weekend uh just with work right now i have been able to you know, hit the ground running like I normally would. I, well, that and honestly, I'm going to Coleman, Alabama, to shoot in an ASA tournament. I don't want to get my butt kicked, so I've been practicing for that. um But yeah, it's been great. And we got up here just in time to where next year I'll be a resident as far as hunting licenses, things like that, um which has been good. But I think you know, one of the uh, as you and I have gotten to know each other, uh, know each other, um you, you're a hunter, but you're more into fishing and. Sure we get asked a lot especially this time of year when we were in Colorado and even now we 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 fish in lakes streams rivers creeks we go into high lakes um I always get asked which I'm kind of a redneck fisherman right like I've always fished since (laughs) I was a kid and so I'm I'm you know and I've bass fished and musky walleye um you know pike everything but you know, for the the high lakes, I, I carry a, a pole that's, you know, packable. It's a four piece pole and I run three to four pound test and, you know, pretty basic stuff. But, um, I, with people heading to Wyoming, you know, we get a lot of people that are like, um, uh, I'm, I'm heading to come scout, yep. but I'm bringing my pole. Mm-hmm. Um, or Hey, I want to take the wife and kids, right? You're, you're not going to backpack into an alpine lake. You're just going to hit one of the local lakes you can drive to. Um, You are a, um, you know, a fishing fool, uh, so to speak. So (laughs) for sure, as far as like what Wyoming offers, what are some of the different species as far as fish goes? And when you you look at fishing in Wyoming, the um, um, availability is much greater from what I've seen so far, meaning you're not going to have 700 people around you when you go to fish somewhere. So as far as availability is uh, like different species of fish, What, what um, do you go after? Like what is available for people coming in? And then obviously we'll kind of dive into some of the other things, tackle and things like that.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. The, uh, the area here, part of the reason I love it so much is we have a ton of diversity in fish species. So if I go out here to the south, up around Lander, up into the winds, I've got golden trout, grayling, cutthroat trout, tiger trout, brook trout, rainbow trout. I mean, brown trout, lots of different trout species, right? There's mountain whitefish. So you kind of have that as your high elevation species. Then you drop down here in the valley, we've got sauger and walleye, which are closely related. So a sauger is basically just like the kind of sassy cousin of a walleye. Like they're smaller, but they're a little more ferocious in a lot of ways. Like they flare their gills when you catch them. There's tiger muskies, there's largemouth bass, there's yellow perch, there's crappie, bluegill suckers, carp, catfish, you name it. We've got it down here in the low country. So the amount of diversity of the kind of fishing that we have around here is pretty spectacular. Cause I mean, you have a ton of different options and I'm self-admitted a, a fishing nut. I like to go for all the different species. So certain times a year, you know, I'm gonna fish for a golden trout at 10,600 feet, you know, up to 11,000 feet in elevation. Or I might be fishing for suckers on the river in the springtime, or I might be fishing walleye, like I'll be doing this week on boysen, you know? So, um, there's just so many different opportunities, um, and really the diversity of the amount of different fish species. And like you said, the ability to get out there and not have to compete with 500 other people is so appealing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, the, the saw guy, um, one of the local lakes where I lived, like in Denver, I didn't know what a saw guy was, Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not going to say where the lake was because it's already been blasted from people figuring out where I was fishing. But, um, you, you know, when 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 people get into fishing, when you have like high lake fishing, which is more my, like alpine lakes and streams. Like if you look at like a, a brookie, you know, mm-hmm. or or a cutthroat or it, it's all basically the same tackle sure. somewhat anyway. And so like I always have um, I was showing uh, Kenny and Dan uh, when, when when Amy and I would go in. I would have a, a relatively small fly box of dry flies, yep. a relatively small dry, uh, like nymphs of of uh, for flies, and then I would have another plastic box with like Panther Martins. Um, there was pistol Pete, which is kind of like uh, a fly with a prop on the front for lack of a better term. And then I fly fish, but I am one of those fly fishermen that only fly fish when it's a gimme, I am not a <laughs> like a diehard fly fisherman. And so I really like dry fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, plus I'm a photographer. So getting the the photos of fish coming out of the water, um, but you know, people ask me like, Hey man, what, what rod should I get? Uh, Hey man, what reel should I get? So for me, I'm an ultralight guy. So I like four pound six is like the very most that I use, but I'm not going after steelhead and salmon or muskie or pike anymore. I'm going into an Alpine lake or Creek where I'm probably going to run four pound test on my reel and run two pound leader. If I run like a torpedo bobber or something like that. And it, I oversimplify things. I'm like, man, Panther Martin, Pistol Pete, irresistible, you know, like you know, a couple caddis flies. You, you don't need a whole lot. Sure. What you really needed to, to do, and it, well let's talk about that as far as tackle. If someone was gonna buy two different rods and two reels to try to cover most of what Wyoming has to offer, what would you like? What 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 is your suggestion for guys?
1: Sure, absolutely. I tell people to keep, keep it really simple. Like you don't have to go out and buy like a thousand dollar Orvis package, you know, to go fly fish. You really don't like you can take a basic fly rod and fly reel, have the light line, like you're talking about, you know, I'm one of those guys that I like to have a light spinning reel when I go up because, and I'll give you an example, I was fishing in the winds this last year. And I was with a group of guys and we were catching goldens in one section. So like a quarter mile over, then we went over to another lake that has decent sized grayling. Well, the grayling, they, they were hitting flies, but they weren't, Hitting them nearly as consistently as my buddy who was next to me, who was throwing a Panther Martin. He had just a really small gold Panther Martin. Tried and, and true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> every cast that guy was getting hit. And I was like, okay, time to put the fly rod down, and grab the spinning reel, start chucking it out there. And we just started whacking the fish. But really, you just keep it simple. You know, light line, like you said, like a four pound test, a spinning reel, and then just a basic fly rod setup you know exactly what you described is what i have so i have a small box that has panther martins rooster tails little pk spoons which i like and then another little box that has just basic flies and most of them like my favorite fly is the prince nymph like a bead-headed prince Nymph. it catches everything um like golden trout The best thing to do with them is like, if you can see, so you have to be stealthy with them because they are super skittish. So like, and that's kind of a general rule with high mountain fish anyway, but like, you'll see a group of like four or five goldens in like a little pool. If you can go sneak up there and throw a Prince head nymph, I like to have the ones that have a little bit of red or purple on it throw that in there and just twitch it a couple of times, they're going to grab it. I mean, and, and people like to make them sound super mythical, like you can't catch them, but if you can find a group of them, they'll compete with each other for that fly. As long as they don't see you. It's
0: talking like a beat, beat headed prince or, a a uh, uh, whatever the terminology is. One mm-hmm. of the things I was uh, showing Dan and, and Kenneth was, um, the redneck fly fishing, right? So, one of the things that, especially on uh, like smaller creeks or rivers, but but high lakes where you have rock outcroppings you can get on, I would run a torpedo bobber. Um, and there's a couple different types that I use. One has an eyelet on each end. One has like a rubber tube that you run your line through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would run like if I ran the one with eyelets, I would run two pound test off the back of the torpedo bobber with like four or five uh, feet of of leader and I would run like a beat headed Prince and then whatever was flying around that day. Um, or if I went in doubt, I would always grab like a a renegade or a, a irresistible or whatever then i would run about 18 inches above that torpedo bobber i would run a surgical knot and then i would run a dropper fly Mm -hmm. and so you know being able to like bounce that dropper fly rather than just putting like a fly floating on there i was able to bounce it across when i was reeling in with that torpedo bobber and i'm like guys this is deadly (laughs) and uh you know there's something my dad and his friends showed me when i was a very young kid in alpine lakes in oregon It's like look, you'll you'll catch two at a time. Like like it depending upon what you're going after. And some fish are I don't want to say dumber, but some fish are more susceptible to get you know being caught than others the cool thing about all the fish here that are in the alpine area is they all eat the same thing like you you you, when you go for a saw guy for example i would run jigs and you know Mm -hmm. whatever uh things like that but what you talked about i run a crocodile a panther martin Mm -hmm. um blue fox spinners um Mm, I guess uh you had mentioned one uh rooster like a rooster tail. tail Yep. uh basic stuff and yep. I would occasionally run some of the smaller ones but I generally and I can't remember the number but I would generally run like an average size and one thing that I was my, my wife was a deep sea fisherman mm-hmm. the first time I took her to an alpine lake I, I put like a a midge on and she's looking at this like <laughs> <laughs> how am I supposed to do this I'm like honey and I wish she was back here now I'm like you can catch big fish on small flies. Oh, you cannot catch very small fish on big flies as easy. And she grabbed like the biggest bead headed prince I, I that I had and yarded that thing out there. And she ended up actually catching the largest fish of the trip. But <laughs> the thing that's cool, like you don't have to be overly skilled to be successful. No. Now in harder areas a little different, but when you when you head in there, like for me, my my tackle is not I'll have six or eight Panther Martins, Mm -hmm. a couple crocodiles or spoons of some sort. And then I run four pound tests pretty much on my main line. I run a fairly ultra lightweight four piece rod. I don't spend that much money. Like you can go to local sporting goods store. You can buy one hell of a reel these days for 69 bucks and a really good reel for 29. But like I usually ran a $69 type reel. Like they had a Shimano... Can't remember the name of it. You could change out the spools. Sure. Um, yeah. I'd run, I would pack in like an extra spool of four pound uh, liter if in case I like birds nested, high winds, things like that. But do you fly fish much or both?
1: You know, I do a little bit, but that is not my favorite thing. And I think it's because when I was younger, I kind of got turned off by fly fishermen. Um, you know, the guys that have like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of gear, <laughs> and they're, you know, release only, and they hate you if, you know, you do something that they deem is, you know, not the way they would do it, yeah. you know? So I, I'm not a huge fan of fly fishing, although I will concede that, There are times where that's the only way to really effectively deliver a fly. So I'll give you an example, like a really small scud, like way up here in the mountains, sometimes a really small scud is the thing to throw for like a golden. Mm -hmm. Well, the best way to throw that is with a fly rod. And you know, the thing I would also tell people is if you're a fisherman and you have the feel for fishing, like fly fishing seems kind of intimidating, but it's not as difficult as you think. Like you have a lot of that feel already, but a lot of it is just, you know, you can learn how to roll cast, Yeah, you know, get your line flopped out there, do, do the thing. You don't, it's really more about your retrieve than it is about your cast. Like everybody thinks it's all about how pretty you are when you cast, but honestly, it's more about how you work the lure once you get it presented.
0: Yeah. And one thing with fly fishing, um, so for me you know being from oregon and and uh like steelhead and salmon Mm -hmm. one of the things i liked and there is a ton of different options out there today like back in the day you were packing in a heavy float tube and some flippers but we in colorado we have packed in um alpaca and uh cocopelli or however you print there's some pretty ultra lightweight rafts you can bring in um the it's almost like shooting a recurve with fly fishing There is a time that I guarantee I am more lethal with a recurve than I am with a compound. Mm -hmm. That's not very often, but there is a time. Like anything sub-20, I'm better with a recurve. I'm going to be more lethal. There is a time, and I can tell you a couple of my buddies who can fly fish, there are times none of us, and I don't care if we're throwing out power bait, (laughs) we're not going to beat them. Like they were crushing us with a fly rod. That skill set, though, I I think is uh, like a recurve is is something that – Some people will only want to because of their personality, only fly fish. I like to eat fish. Um, Now, when I say that, I don't catch fish just to, I don't keep fish just to keep them. Like if we backpack into an Alpine Lake, we'll probably going to keep, we will keep six or eight fish to cook them for dinner that night. I don't take fish back home, um, you know, pack them out or whatever. I just, we bring some aluminum foil, we'll cook them on a stick, whatever. And I don't get to... Um, like tenkara is another one. Like I guess that's the most purest way, which is like a straight stick, and it sucks because my friends do, and I tried it. (laughs) I like to catch fish, and so I bring a spinning rod. That's that's me. Sure. Um, but you know, as I'm rambling on here, when when if somebody was going to go buy, and the cool thing compared fishing compared to almost anything else, it's cheap. I would say for $250, you can have one amazing uh, rod reel and a a plethora of uh, lures, (laughs) spinners, flies, and everything else. And I might be bidding a little high on that. Yeah. For a hundred bucks, you can have a good rod reel combo. Sure. And for another 50 bucks, you can have more than enough to slay high country fish. Now, of course that's my opinion. What do you what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people get really caught up into like what brand they've got and this and that. Really, like you said, you can get a like a mid range Shimano it's perfect. You can get a basic like light spinning rod, you know. And like you said, a four piece is probably best, especially if you're gonna throw it in a pack and go up to eleven thousand feet and go after, you know, Goldens, Berkeys, high level or high elevation lakes. Um but yeah, Panther Martins. I always tell people like, if you're gonna if you're gonna go after trout, grayling, those kind of things, especially around here, a gold number six Panther Martin is gonna catch fish. And I mean, you can have days up here in the winds where you're catching between 100 and 200 fish in a day, and you get kind of tired of catching the you know six to 10 inch fish. But there's also some bigger ones, like you know you've got grayling up to 16, 17 inches. You've got you know goldens up to 20 inches, and it will work to catch those.
0: Yeah, and I, um, I have it like I, whatever. I was in Korea for way mm-hmm. longer than I wanted to be, a several thirteen months, I think. Mm-hmm. In the Dawa factories in Seoul, mm-hmm. I went down there. Actually, crazy story. I was with, um, uh, anyway, a guy I was stationed with who ended up uh, retiring. He was, I think, he was a sergeant major, a command sergeant major. Anyway, super close friend, Sergeant Tetrault. He's been on the podcast. We went down there. And of course we're Americans and they were actually, uh, I don't know what you could call it picketing, um, protesting uh, against Americans in Korea as we came out of the Dawa factory, get, trying to get back to the Northern portion of, Korea, of South Korea where we were. But when I was at that factory, I was just like, oh, this is cool. You know, we did a tour or whatever. And so, you know, people are like, Hey, what, what do you, what, what name, what, what, what rod do you have? And I'm like, it's a Dawa. I don't know, you know, cause there is an elitist. <laughs> sure. Like I guess Orvis is a big one. Um, yep. I'm trying to think, um, I used to be for like whatever, hang out in Park Falls. So I ran St. Croix, which I guess is not the cool thing to use anymore. I can't think of all nice the rods, different. Though. Yeah. They make, sure. they make yeah. good rods. Reddington's kind of one that I think Reddington's owned by someone else that makes, I don't know. It's like an offshoot, but sure. you don't have to spend that much money to catch trout. And my suggestion, much like with photography or whatever, is make sure you want to do it. Make sure you like it. You always can use your initial purchase as a backup, meaning you may not always that may not be your primary rod that you bring but it's never a bad thing to have even if you have buddies that want to come or your kid you have a kid that wants to fish mm-hmm. so it's not a bad idea to spend 60 80 bucks on your first setup or even less than that but like i ran an ugly stick a two-piece forever they're
1: um, almost indestructible
0: that's why i ran it you know because <laughs> i don't know what an ugly stick is now but at that time they were like 49 bucks yeah and and you can get a, a pretty good, you know, fishing setup in Walmart or a local your local store. Like right now we what do we have? Rocky Mountain. Yep. Um what is it called? Rocky, Rocky I always call it Rocky Mountain Outdoor Discount Deer. sports. Discount yeah. sports. Yep. And so like you go in there, you buy a few Panther Martins, some spoons, some flies, a torpedo bobber. And dude, I I'll tell you, when I'm scouting and I'm at a lake where I can fish and i get made fun of by my elitist friends I'll, i have no problem throwing out a bobber and a worm and oh, yeah. sitting behind the spotting scope because like midday when it gets pretty choppy um yarding out a torpedo bobber you know with three feet hanging below it in a, a worm is very lethal yes it um, is. the only thing i would say and i want you to talk a little bit about this if you're wanting to release the fish when you're running those snip the barbs off it is kind sure. of a pain in the butt because they will especially if you're not paying attention they will swallow that thing to their butthole um yeah. and on my end i don't mind that um if it's a fish that i'm like some of the you know we don't have to worry about i don't want to say um not endangered but some species of fish like a golden trout um uh, you you're not, I, I really don't, um, I try to eat the fish that are plentiful. So like cutthroats and brookies, there's tons of them, rainbows. Yep. And so I'm very cognizant of that. Um, I'm no, by, by no means a purist, but if I'm going to fish midday and I want to catch fish, the fish I'm catching midday are ones I'm probably going to eat because I may spend too much time buying the spotter. look over my bobber's gone <laughs> and he swallowed that thing. I'm getting that fish is going to die. And so yeah. that's a fish I want to eat. Right. I don't want to try to release that fish. Talk about that as far as like, I don't want to say preservation, but sure. I see some people just chuck a fish back in the water. You need to get that thing breathing again, but you need to go over that.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of things with trout. So they're very sensitive, obviously like you can, the joke is you can look at a trout and it'll die. Like they are, really wimpy, like comparatively, like compared to a carp or a bass or a bass. Like you could throw a carp or a catfish up on the bank and they'll live for four or five hours in 90 degree heat and you could throw them back. Whereas a trout, I mean, one of the things that's really important to them is their slime coat. So one of the things that you want to do is make sure that you're trying to keep your hands wet and you're not trying to remove too much of that slime coat. The other thing too is keeping them in the water as much as possible and they're extremely sensitive to temperature. So if you're up in the mountains, like say right now in July or August, you definitely wanna get them back in the water quickly. Otherwise they're not gonna make it because they're super sensitive to that. They're gonna die pretty quickly. Like you said too, barbs, you know, if, if you do let them swallow it and they take it down pretty far, they're gonna die like it's a trout that's just the way it goes um you know if you were fish ice fishing you might have a chance because it might be cold enough but most likely they're gonna bleed a whole bunch and they're gonna die um but yeah i think the midday ones you're right on like if i catch a midday brookie he's going back to the campfire and i'm gonna really enjoy him so um but my favorite i don't know about you but my favorite is to get a bunch of brookies out of a high mountain stream There's not much better tasting than a high mountain brick trout.
0: Let's talk about that because one thing that, uh, it is not, uh, the sexiest fish to catch cause they're not very big. And so <laughs> whatever, right? but like in Amy, one of the first places I took her was for, for Brookies. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's a stream that's probably, I mean, Bob Ross can't paint a better paint a better picture where Brookies live winding stream. That's three feet to 12 feet wide. Yeah. They're not overly bright, which is even better. And then, uh, you know, but you have to you have to catch quite a few, depending upon what the limit is for
1: your local area. Sure. You know, it changes anywhere from ten up to 12. what is it, in Wyoming for brookie? It depends on where you're at. But like some places, it could be eight, could be sixteen. Yep. Just depends on where you're at.
0: So you know, for like on my end, when I when I make those, I am very cognizant of the fact I have to eat every one I catch to have a meal. And so one of the things I do is I, I mix it with brown rice top ramen. And so mm-hmm. if I catch six or I keep six, that's a good meal with top ramen. Mm-hmm. They are very hearty fish, so they're not really like um like a, like a white fish has kind of a pre you know predetermined like oh these are squishy and and uh, like a soft fish brookies are very firm fish and they taste very good so like what we do with brookies which is especially with kids brookies I think is probably the best fish one of the best fish for a kid um we bring uh, I always pack olive oil packets I have seasoning that we bring in aluminum foil and then I'll cook I obviously I clean them but I cook them all at once the cool thing with a brookie you can pretty much eat the entire damn thing and not choke on a bone and people don't if you're from back East filleting, you don't fillet no. trout. Um and, and if you cook it correctly, the, the, the spinal cord peels out of it anyway. And and with a brookie though, you could pretty much eat the spinal cord and it's not going to be a problem. I'm not saying do that, but <laughs> when we cook those, um, I just pull all the chunks off and then throw them into the, like I, I, I cook the ramen, you know, whatever. And then in the aluminum foil, when I open it up, I'm just pulling chunks of meat off, throwing it in the ramen. And I have kind of like two packs of ramen and a bunch of different brookies and, 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 eat them that way. And that's when we backpack in, um, that can be really good for kids. Um, when I say women, it could be men too. If,
1: if it's a female, that's a fishing fool and teaching her husband, you can't go wrong with a brookie. No, brookie is about as good as you can get. And there are places I will tell you, Aaron, that here in the winds where you can get them over 20 inches long. There's, there's a few select places like where the forage is just right. seems like the elevation's right. They do not get pressured a whole lot and you can get some really big fish and there's some interesting ways to catch those on cranks. I'll have to tell you about that another time, but, um, but yeah, just to eat them, like you really don't need a whole lot. So they've got a fair amount of oil. So you don't have to have too much oil. Like you said, you can bring just like a little bit of, you know, olive oil or whatever. What I like to do is just kind of cook them in like either aluminum foil or directly over the fire either way. But if you cook them just right, you can grab them by the tail, take a fork up on the tail end. So hold the tail portion up in the air and then just peel all the meat off. It just basically falls off and it is delicious meat. I mean, you can't, you can't really go wrong. And you mentioned whitefish. So if you are going to catch whitefish and you have a way to keep them cold and actually take them back home, The way to eat a white fish is when you catch them, number one, bleed them immediately, get that blood out of them, get them on ice. And if you can take them back home and smoke them with some apple or some Alderwood, I'm telling you, man, that it's a totally different flavor than like a trout or a salmon, but it is money. It is so good. Like even grayling too. And some of you are like, Oh God, he ate a grayling. Yes. I do like to eat different things and see how they taste and i'll tell you what man the grayling and whitefish smoked with my favorite is apple it is delicious yeah if amy's listening to
0: that i'm i'm guaranteeing we'll be uh trying what you just uh, (laughs) talked about but i and 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 with um you know with all this like when i backpack in that's a question i get as far as what to bring Mm -hmm. like we have a traeger grill like smoking it whatever but when you're back there you can make a pretty dang fine meal on a backpack trip, even if it's a short one. So like again, I can, I take uh like extra virgin olive oil olive oil packets. Mm-hmm. I bring seasoning and like little containers and then, you know, we bring aluminum foil. I don't bring a whole roll, we fold it up and have it prepared. Mm-hmm. Um in in there is I can't speak for Wyoming, but it, it's fishing highlights my whole life. You will get tired of catching fish, especially usually i would say in that late may but usually june time frame where the hatches hit the thaw happened um they're hungry you're probably going to catch so many fish you're going to get bored of catching fish and so one of the things that um you know i think this helps would be field craft i guess you would want woodsmanship you want to learn how to build a fire to eat your fish? You're going to have to learn how to build a fire to cook it. You want to learn how to ki- like uh, clean a fish to eat it? You're going to have to learn it there, trial and error. You want to learn to cook it. You're going to have to figure out, okay, if you don't have aluminum foil, there's ways to do it with a stick, and you can actually make kind of um, – uh, different options as far as holding fish with like alder trees, things like that. But it will help you become a better woodsman and have better or, or woodswoman or whatever <laughs> um, and have better field craft. Because there are times I've definitely been um, on elk hunts, I carry a survival fishing kit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you're talking about a beadheaded prince that's always in the kit. Oh, yeah. And I just have a spool of leader in there and some basic flies i don't have any lures because obviously you're using a stick but some basic hooks because one of the cool things when you're talking about and i can't speak too much of of golden trout because i've only been lucky enough to fish those a few times but uh, cutthroat brookies rainbows Mm -hmm. you can get pretty creative with a 10 foot stick and 10 foot of of leader or 10 foot of line and a bead headed prince it's going to show you if you would make it on the show alone, I guess, because there is one of the hunts we were on we ended up eating backstrap um, and cutthroat and we were yarding in like 12 to 14 inch cutthroats, which isn't, or excuse me brookies Just happened to end up at a lake where we Those killed the nice Elka ones. pond yeah. and my buddy we both had like, I say survival whatever you want to call it, we had a fishing kit with in our pack that weighs like probably three ounces, um, it doesn't take probably less than that and so we're watching these fish at this pond and i'm like dude let's go fishing right and so we're in our underwear like yarding out like and again it helps you become a better outdoors uh, woman or man uh when you're out there i don't know like some of these things are like a dying trait where i was raised and you were probably as well one thing probably shooting things i shouldn't have been with a bb gun but also fishing like yeah Everywhere I went, I was we, we fished a ton where it was on a high lake or a big lake or running down riggers or whatever, like we were constantly fishing. And it's something that, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here, you, you know, you had mentioned when I asked you this, man, uh, you know, as far as alpine lakes uh, that I'm not into that as much as this. And I'm like, well, actually, you're everything that I need to talk to with people fishing in Wyoming, because you're kind of like me. If you said, hey, let's go fish over here in the lower area yeah let's let's fish that okay well let's go into the alpine lakes okay well let's bring this so as i'm rambling on at the mouth what would people want to buy whether it's here or another state where they have that uh kind of uh gaining out, that stair step in altitude where down low they have whether it be like perch or crappie or mm-hmm. walleye or saw guy I wouldn't, a hundred dollars would get you a lot of tackle. Um, what would you say some of the things they want to get, whether it be for walleye, saw guy, and then, you know, all the way up to trout?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I will keep it really simple for you. So, um, you know, Al Linder, his son, Troy, um, he and I were talking about this and kind of like the essential kit that any angler should have, like whether you live in Wyoming or you live in the Midwest or down South, whatever. Like I think this is a pretty basic tackle that you can catch pretty much anything on. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I usually have six pound monofilament just as my general base line, right? Like I can go out and I feel confident I can catch just about anything. So I've caught a lake trout that was almost 20 pounds on that setup this year. Um, Is a medium action rod with a fast action tip, right? I've caught, you know, 13, 14 pound walleye on it. I've caught 27 inch Browns on it, you know, stuff like that. Like you can catch the bigger end fish, but you can also have enough finesse and also enough casting distance to get after some of the smaller fish too. Right. So like if I'm fishing for some of those bigger brookies, that's what I'm taking. Right. So it's, it's just a, like middle of the road, like Shimano or, you know, Daiwa, whatever you want to take, like spinning reel, a medium action rod with a fast action tip, six pound mono. You can also go with braid. Like there are braids that I really like. Um, Suffix is one of those. I like to use like a six pound Suffix braid. Like if you need that extra sensitivity, cause like sometimes you might be fishing jigs for walleyes and sometimes they can be really light on the bite and you really have to feel that. Um, You know, I might have something like that, but the basic lures that everybody should have, and I kid you not, is an eighth ounce crappie jig. An eighth ounce crappie jig will catch a 10 pound bass. We'll catch a, you know, almost 30 inch brown trout. It'll catch lake trout. It catches just about anything that you're going to fish for. So that's one option. I would say that's probably one of my favorite things. Like a number eight X wrap made up by Rapala. Like that lure is killer. Like Just to give you an example, I took my kids to a lake here in Wyoming or reservoir here in Wyoming, um, just like a month ago and my oldest daughter, who's 12, she's twitching this X rap along this dam and she's catching, you know, 12 and 13 inch black crappie on every cast. You know, I mean, she's just slaying the crappie on it. So I've caught all kinds of different species on that number eight X wrap. It's one of the best lures that's ever been made. Um, so I would definitely have that. If you're like me and you love top water, I always have like a, a popper, right? So you could have just like a skitter pop or some kind of a prop bait of some kind, have one of those, uh, the whopper plopper, the number, the 90 whopper plopper, which is only about like three inches long. I love catching bass on that, but you can use that setup to catch just about anything and anywhere. Um, and those are kind of the top ones. And also like Panther Martins, I mean, you can't go wrong having a Panther Martin in your box. You just can't.
0: No. And I, I, in uh, Panther Martins, another one that you I've caught as weird as it catfish. However, oh, yeah. I get it on Panther Martins. I'm like, huh? Oh that was, yeah. I yarded in and I'm like, because when you're looking at the different, um, uh, things that you, you know, potentially need as you kind of write your own book, if you're, you know, starting to get into fishing, cause obviously I get a ton of questions about hunting, but we get. A lot of questions you know a lot of questions about fishing and i'm not in a place that i'm um i've got i've been very blessed with i lived in minnesota and wisconsin mm-hmm. i you know the first time i saw a duck getting a duckling getting eaten out of the water i was like <laughs> jerry something ate that fish and he was uh-huh. like yeah it's probably a muskie could have been a pike and i'm like can we catch those you know <laughs> he was like yeah so oh, next yeah. thing you know i went from running four pound test to 100 pound braided uh line and sure. steel leaders running you know like jitterbugs and 13 inch trip you know uh quad triple hook salamanders at night and <laughs> way different right so yep. the thing that like um you know people have to understand is one is knowing how to fish and and yeah. When I say knowing how to fish, there are certain places that a fish want to live. They're no different than a human. There are certain places they don't want to live. So you have like riffles, pools and glides Um, in in doing like I did a lot of surveying for hydrology for the Forest Service, uh, which was very, very good for me when I was a kid, because when you're a kid, you don't know shit from out you don't know what a riffle pool or glide you're like there's a pool there let's catch fish so um (laughs) you know when you have like a pool it's you know a deeper body of water with very low current Mm -hmm. um a riffle is kind of a shallower portion that the water is riffling or waving down and a glide is a little bit deeper portion with steady water going down it with with not as much waves or riffles um it's not too hard to read a stream. And so when when I say that, once you learn it, it's like animal behavior. You're gonna know where a mule deer beds and eats or an elk or or whatever. Like you can look at a mountainside and be like, black bears probably gonna come out in the spring and eat there because there's very plentiful plush grass. Mm -hmm. And so once I learned like, you know, fishing, uh, you know, as a kid and got older, I went bass fishing, right? I didn't know and i i kid you not a texas rig was a giant lifted up truck that never got off the pavement that had (laughs) silver rims i had no idea what a texas rig was but these guys were like hey you want to go fish for bass and i'm like i know how to fish yeah yeah you know so the first thing was a level wind they handed me that and i'm like never used one of these before but let's let her buck right and then so they they rigged up there was like a texas rig and a carolina rig which is pretty much one weight moves and one doesn't yep. anyway but like bass are and i'm gonna piss off a lot of bass fishermen <laughs> but you you yard in you know um let's just say we'll use inches you reel in a 18 to 22 inch um cutthroat or or whatever fish with three to four pound test you have done something especially in heavy current sure. I was running thirty pound Berkeley Trilene, and I would set the hook so hard it would break, you know, most fish's neck for a bass. And there was no fighting. I just yard that thing in. I'm not saying that's how you should do it, but I was just like, this is a lot different than what I'm normally used to. And then I also, and and I'm very addicted to bass fishing. It's it's awesome when I was running um, like topwaters, oh, like man, um, best when, poppers or or jitterbugs. I was telling Amy this last night, there is nothing better than being in a weed bed um, and and yarding out a top water and seeing a massive bass come out of the weed bed, you know, after that top water. It's all still fishing. It'd be the same if you were in a high lake um, and, you know, you're throwing out a a number 18, you know, whatever fly or whatever 16, you know, renegade. Mm -hmm. You just the presentation and knowing what fish want to look like or want to look at i get though i oversimplify things and and it sounds like you do to some degree too because let's face it um it's a fish right i mean Mm -hmm. if you aren't totally what do i want to you don't want to just run up to the bank right (laughs) i mean like you do sometimes have to be a ninja fishing you talked about that earlier actually talk about that (laughs) some of the (laughs) different (laughs) <laughs> I've low crawled up to edges of water, uh, edges of streams sure. for fishing um, because those fish are, are skittish in some spots. Talk about that a little bit, being a ninja fisherman yeah. or some of the different issues with maybe uh, more uh, skittish fish.
1: Absolutely. So there's there's actually a stretch of river here locally that gets fished really hard by your really fancy Orvis folks. And it it can be very challenging because it's brown trout. They're smart and when they see, when they feel something like vibration is huge, right? So like if you're, if you're stocking up on a fish and you start making vibrations in the ground and they're hanging right along the bank, which they do a lot of times, you're done. Like they're going to scatter. They're going to be gone. They're going to be, you know, they're going to know you're there. Um, but a lot of it is, so it's vibration. So your footfalls, uh, shadows are huge. Fish sees a shadow, what do you think they're going to think of? They're going to Predator. think, yeah, they're going to think like, you know, some raptor is going to come charging out of the sky and grab them out of the water, right? So shadows are huge. Um, and then, you know, quick movements, they don't like that. Like if you come up next to a stream at, you know, 11,000 feet up here and you make a quick movement, they're not used to that. So that's going to freak them out and they're probably not going to bite. But, um, you know, to go back to my original example, like these brown trout, you have to be really smart about it. Like your approach has to be right. But I think the other thing about catching those fish is not only does your approach have to be right, but you talked about it. You have to think like them. So a brown trout's a predator. And so they're going to position themselves in the river in a place where the bait's going to come by, right? Just like when you're up hunting, you're going to place yourself in the right position to have your game come to you right and they do the same thing so you really have to think like that fish so like your bass fishing example if you're casting you know like a frog over some lily pads or like me fishing for tiger muskies and you throw a big top water next to a log that's or a tree that's fallen in the water you're doing that because you know he's probably hiding right there waiting for something stupid enough to, by. to hop
0: off yeah yeah whatever
1: yep and so they're waiting you put that presentation out there and they're like, Oh yeah, baby. You know, they come out and boom, they hit that. And it's the same thing with like, you know, when I'm fishing for those Brown trout, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I'm using an eighth ounce jig with like a three inch power minnow. Yeah. And I mean, these, these fish are all between probably 18 and 30 inches, right? These Brown trout. So what you do is you, you like, if there's like a big rock in the water or something like that, you're going to cast up, up above that rock and you're going to hop that jig down just like that fish would come swimming around that corner. And lo and behold, guess what happens most times? You know, one of those big trout just slam the crap out of it. And that's a lot of fun and fast moving current on six pound tests. Let me yeah. tell you, that's a blast, but really that's the keys to fish approach. I mean, it's, it's a lot like hunting in that. I mean, you are hunting, you're hunting fish instead of an elk, but it's a lot of parallels when
0: when people go into high lakes that's one of the things like i'm looking for an inlet or an outlet oh for sure inlet usually now if i if i'm looking for an outlet it may be depending upon the circumstances i might be fishing the outlet meaning i may not be fishing the lake i may be fishing the outlet um within a hundred yards of where it, it leaves but the inlet um and amy's you know learned all of this recently like right after the when they're um they they are um their metabolism it, it it's very cold like you know you're talking yeah. about a few feet of uh of ice you know during the winter sure when that thaws out and they start to get kind of cranking a little bit more their metabolism's going and they're hungry they're really hungry um they are literally looking they are feeding constantly so like in the mornings it looks like it's raining oh it's awesome so when you hit where their metabolism has sped up and the hatch happens mm-hmm. you are in for a very fun weekend well that inlet um that is that current is pushing every kind of bug food And they're just hanging down at the bottom of that eating. You don't have to be a great fisherman to catch those fish. Um, In fact, it's, again, with kids, it's awesome. You can throw out, you know, one of the things I'll do when I take kids fishing is initially a torpedo bobber with, you know, tiny little chunk of worm, uh, you know, whatever, and just yard it out there. Okay, the kids get bored. It is exciting for 20 minutes. The cool thing is with kids, you don't have to worry about them swallowing the hook because they're so excited when it pops down they set the hook half the time they miss it you know it's good Mm -hmm. okay hey kids let's try a spinner and you're just working on their skill set sure when when you when when you're looking at all these things like reading the fish it's very easy you don't go to uh you know certain a car wash to find somebody that's going to eat food he's going to a restaurant (laughs) right and 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 fish are no different they're going to where the food is um yeah it, breaking away from that a little bit um because something you brought up earlier when you talk about tackle like some of the things that um uh i have in my tackle box and i call it a a, bro- a broke back rapala but yeah. you, you, there's different i always bring a floater in high lakes mm-hmm. because a lot of times one i don't need to go very deep um and then and in two honestly a lot of times um just with some of the different um if I was fishing a lake I knew of that was extremely deep, and at certain times it makes more sense. But if I'm carrying one, it's generally, and I don't know the number. It might be a number eight, um, but it's a relatively small uh, Rapala Rapla. It's Rapla, I think is how you're supposed to pronounce it. Sure. With a broke back, mm-hmm. what that looks like is a wounded fish, right? And so yep. when you have very dominant or predatory fish have that in your tackle box absolutely the the pistol p which is like my go-to when times are hard it's a <laughs> it's a it's a woolly booger basically with a prop on the front of yeah. it, a blade i run that thing with six feet a liter off tobacco of torpedo bobber mm. the thing is, is in high lakes when you run the torpedo bobber with like a surgical tube and you can fill it with water you can yard that you about spool. Uh <laughs> you can yard that thing. You can thing launch it. Yeah. 5 miles and so <laughs> I slow roll that thing like and I'm talking slow. It does not take much for that prop to go. Um I've had really good luck with that. A couple of those and they're like a dollar 99 for
1: two or something. Yeah. They're cheap. Um rapplers are getting up there. How much are they now? Like oh, 12 geez. bucks or something? So it depends on what you get, but like my favorite lure the number eight yeah you know x-rap they're running like 11.99 mm-hmm. you know i mean it's getting One of the reasons why i run a floater because you have less <laughs>
0: chance of losing it yeah <laughs> yeah you do but like panther martins are probably five bucks now i would guess yeah, right
1: four to five bucks um, but you only need probably three or four yeah. so i don't know about you but my favorite color is the gold like black and gold black is and favorite. gold is yep. awesome like the black with the little yellow gold spots and there. the gold
0: yep that's my and number one we, uh, dude i probably have
1: 10 in my tackle oh, box I i'm everybody to buy three i think but. i have every size of that yeah <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but also there's that one that's got like the the nickel blade and it's it's kind of like the original i think it's yep. got like the yellow body with the red dots yep those three if you have those you're set. Yeah. And I've, I have some like chartreuse, like brighter mm-hmm. colored ones.
0: Yeah. I generally have better luck, which makes sense and murkier when you're dealing with the runoff. Mm-hmm. So when the when the water's murkier, I'm looking more for them to f- be able to see something when you have that runoff and the inlets are really, tur- it's turbulent, it's muddy. I'm just looking for them
1: to see something better. The other thing
0: too, like I, I said crocodile, but what spoon was it
1: you were talking about? So the PK spoon, um, it's a company that I've worked with back years ago when they were starting, but they make, so they were, they were started here in Wyoming, but they have a couple of different options. One that I really love. It's called a flutter fish. Yeah. And it's basically like a flattened peanut. Yeah. And it's kind of like the crocodile in some ways. I almost
0: guarantee I have those. Yeah. It, that's one thing that I would say when in
1: doubt, I will yard that thing out there and that will bring in fish. Oh, for sure. And you can fish it multiple ways. So like I always tell people, spoons are like the most versatile lure that you can get because you control it. Yeah. You can cast it and straight retrieve it. You can cast it, let it drop, rip it and let it fall, rip it and let it fall. You can ice fish vertically with it. You can vertically fish over streams too. I've done that with Berkey's. There's like a, PK makes this number, well, it's not a number, it's an ounce. It's like a 16th ounce, they call it a predator jig. Yeah. And it's a little tiny tungsten spoon and it's got a little blade on it that kind of bangs against the side. Yep. You stick that over the edge of a creek and you just twitch it a couple of times, those brookies hammer that thing.
0: Yeah, and those like those are the primary for me for trout, other than flies. Sure. And and flies... You can dive down a, a major oh. rabbit hole, but honestly, like <laughs> a renegade, an irresistible, a beadheaded headed prince, a yeah. beat-headed brassy, some midges. Wooly
1: buggers are always yeah, good. Yeah, wooly bugger
0: You can run a San Juan worm in some spots. Um, scuds are good. Yeah, scuds are good, but you don't have to get too too crazy. But um, as we're bouncing around all over the place, I <laughs> I when I, I had pretty much fished Alpine Lakes in Oregon when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh yeah, I was in the military, didn't get to fish much, and then uh like I said, I watched a duckling get eaten.
1: Oh man. In the muskies. Uh,
0: so in I'm in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and so I got super addicted to uh and that's like the home of the lenders, right? That's Dude. Yeah. yeah. So I went to Lake of the Woods with a group of uh, Capra's Outdoors, which is a TV show back in the day I worked for them. Mm-hmm. We went to the Lake of the Woods. Well, I can tell you, when you know what you're doing, a muskie is not a fish of 10,000 casts. If you don't know what you're doing, it is definitely a fish <laughs> of 10,000 casts. And so I was spoiled and got to learn from, sure. from them. And we fished for tiger muskies and pike. Um, a lot of times, too, you'll catch who knows what else while you're fishing for all those. But <laughs> You know, I used to watch the BASS tour um, a lot as a kid because I was always into fishing. I wasn't, I was always into hunting, but not like fishing when I was young. Well, I'm watching these guys and I don't, you know, whatever, big boats and like uniform jerseys with crap all over and, and, uh, (laughs) but I'd never like appreciated, like you'll watch guys literally at whatever distance, like chuck um, into these like uh, competitions. They're like almost playing, uh, what the hell is it called? Cornhole?
1: yeah so they're like pitching. like pitching pitching but yeah. i'm
0: like okay that that was impressive like that guy <laughs> nailed it and then um, uh. when they're chucking it under like overhead cover like skipping it in i don't know the oh, terminology yeah. but i'm like yeah whatever right and then i started doing it and i'm like this is like birds nesting like crazy <laughs> trying to do this right so one of the things i will say like as i i've learned all this is if you know how to fish mm. you're gonna catch fish yeah. so the, the the difference is like when you um whether it be a large mouth or a small mouth um or a, a it is there will be like i remember fishing weed beds that uh like still stuck in my mind today uh fishing a poppin bug and uh, both fly fishing and running a spin rod you know for for species i had just started to sure. fish you know it's that super it's hot it's muggy but it's flat it's early in the morning. And, you know, my buddies were like wrapping off the degrees and the, you know, shit that I don't really care about. Right. And like what we're <laughs> going to do later. And I'm like, literally like thinking, I remember as a kid fly fishing, um, you know, alpine lakes or creeks or rivers, yep. uh, a fly. And now I'm yarding out something 20 times the size of it, Oh yeah. but it's the same basic principle. And when that fish comes out of the water, the, the cool thing though, is with all of this, um, it, it is, it is, um, it is very good to get kids in the outdoors. Yes. It is very easy, and unless you get totally addicted and buy a flat like a whatever a deck boat, whatever a bit a fishing boat, it's not that expensive to get going. And one of the things cool with trout, it is in my opinion much cheaper than bass fishing. um uh, yeah. A musky lure is probably forty bucks. Um, I don't know what they are <laughs> now. Back in the day, they were twenty.
1: Oh yeah, they're they've gone up exponentially. And in fact, I just got some lures from a buddy of mine. He, so he designed this 10 inch rat bait and it's a top water, right? So it looks like a big old rat and like the feet kind of do the prop thing, you yeah. know, across the top of the water. I'm going to try to take that out this week, but yeah, the baits anymore, man, you're looking like for, for a low end musky bait, you're probably like 19, 20 bucks. And then for some of those better ones, you're up around 50 bucks.
0: That, uh, the big salamander, it was actually funny. You'll it laugh. Like a at bulldog. This. Is that? What yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they were new when I. So this was in two thousand four or something. Sure. But yeah, it's funny. So I bought three of them, right? And one of them kind of glow. glow it was like glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. But the first cast, uh, I obviously had not tiled, tied on my steel leader correctly, and that thing went like a mile. <laughs> and well, then you they look up, and there was like ten inches of uh, fire line, or I think I was running Fireline... I didn't tie the knot on correctly, oh, so we no. gave that away to the fishing gods, right? I literally was like, "Dude, <laughs> it floats." Pull the boat over there. We need to find that thing. He's yeah. like, "What?" I'm like, "Dude, that was like fifty dollars." But what was crazy is when you see uh, a muskie or a pike come out of the water for those. Oh my gosh, it is insane because you figure I am using a bait now the size of the fish I was catching not long ago. <laughs> and and it was crazy. So the triple hooks like were as, as big as a Copenhagen lid. Oh yeah. And there was three of them on this thing. Yep. And so for me, it was not unworldly, but I was not um it was it was it was something new. I'm like, what are we, deep sea fishing, right? And then yeah. yard in a 50 inch pike or a muskie, you're like, and those things have they have teeth. Like I learned oh, that gosh. really quick because I, you know, normally like for me, <laughs> I would just grab the bottom jaw. And like my thumb just got destroyed and my buddy's like, you idiot. They have teeth. I'm like, yeah, I see that. (laughs) The one thing I did learn though, is you do need to get used to, um, picking bones out for Pike. Like (laughs) they are difficult to eat, but people told me, I I loved Pike. I thought they were great.
1: You got to work a little bit at them, but. Pike is one of my favorites because it's got a firm texture, right? And so they have what's called Y bones. So you have to learn how to fillet those out. But if you fillet those out, I'm telling you, man, like. Firmness, And you got to, again, it goes back to what, like Hank Shaw, he's an author. He's got a bunch of different cookbooks. He talks about this, like number one rule, bleed your fish and then get them on ice. Like you do that with Pike, most of the freshwater species, you're good to go. Yeah. And then, you know, flaying out those Y bones. I love to eat Pike. I think Pike are delicious actually. Cause I like the texture.
0: Yeah, no, they were, they were good. I mean, I don't, um, you know, diving into all of this a little bit, like I was a musky fisherman for a year and a half, right. Or a pike or whatever. And then walleye was another one, that was a, dude, there's a cult for walleye. Like oh, there was a, yeah. I was amazed. Like, so I'm like people like there's tournaments for walleye. And, and I didn't know at the time, you know, I'm learning, you know, whatever, like I watched BASS cause it was on whatever channel we had when I had a TV when I was a kid. Um, yeah. we went to Lake, uh, I, I called it hippie but it's a caca um, <laughs> i always make jokes of everything and then like multiple lakes in minnesota and wisconsin that were you, you know you couldn't see across them well it, it's a science it's like so for me um whether you're hunting mule deer or or stone sheep or whatever there is a there is a um strategy that, that you're going to find these animals to put them on the ground yeah. well like these guys are talking about temperature and shelves and they got crazy depth finders and fish finders and you know and at first i'm like don't you want to give the fish a chance and i'm like thinking well i am finding out quickly we are giving them a chance like it is crazy because I, fish adapt obviously but mm-hmm. some of the fish um you know including in high lakes when they're skittish or whatever uh, they'll eventually at some point uh, you know and i found especially with like really um uh, like heavily hit creek streams rivers lakes whatever they'll just stop biting like yep. you have to be a very good fisherman to get them to bite um because they've seen every lure in the world right and yep. so you, there is a as i'm rambling on there is a skill to all of this i would just say that as far as getting kids in the outdoors i think fishing is number one ways to do it it's it's very exciting for
1: them yeah and i think we all fish different species for different reasons right so like for me if i want excitement and i want to go for the kind of fish that's going to like get my adrenaline pumping. I'm going to fish top water for a tiger muskie because we have tiger muskies here locally, because it's exciting when a tiger muskie blasts your lure, you know, and it's upper 30, to low 40 inch fish. Like that's exciting. Um, catching a giant lake trout, same kind of thing. It's more of an adrenaline pumping type deal. Walleye are challenging because they move, they call them the movable feast for a reason, right? Yeah. Like they could be on like this point today and then tomorrow they're a quarter mile up the reservoir cause they follow the bait fish. So yeah. they're always moving around. Um, and then, you know, like the challenge of going up to 11, 12,000 feet to catch a golden, like that has a whole nother appeal. Right. And they're more skittish, but I think you're right. Like my kids, I've got four little kids and they all love to fish. And it's because we fish for a little bit of everything. I've got them into these, like master angler competitions where they're trying to catch fish a certain size, you know, and it's always a challenge. It's always something new, kind of like hunting, right? Like you you want to have something to kind of strive towards. And I think it is probably one of the easiest ones to get kids involved in. You were talking about having like the survival kit, right? With a little bit of line and you know, that's how I learned how to fish is my dad took me to the snowy range mountains down by Laramie, Wyoming, just west of there. And we went up this Creek and I was probably, I don't know, four or five years old. He gave me just a, a willow piece of line. And it was like a hook with a little tiny piece of worm. And I would just go and drop it in like the eddies and the holes in the, in the stream and pull out fish. And I thought that was like the coolest thing ever, but anybody can do that. And I mean, how expensive is that? Like for that kit, all you got to do is go spend like, ten dollars or less yeah. and you've got what you need and you can make a kid's day i mean it's it's really simple
0: when well, it's it's funny like um uh you know whatever the in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king so mm-hmm. yep. you know you'll go to look at my tackle box back here and i've got all kinds of stuff sure and then when i'm on a at, a at a on an elk or a mule deer hunt at a high lake i have three bead-headed brassies and a couple hooks i am literally the the sultan right i am i am the president of the fishing (laughs) united states because i'm like i've got five hooks i'm ready to roll where when i backpack in i've got all kinds of crap and then i'm like literally like okay i start digging under rocks for grub worms or you know whatever or beetles or anything and literally some of the funnest times of my life were using some skill set to to catch those fish one because i probably was tired of eating mres or mountain house or whatever food (laughs) i had um and the other two is just a challenge it's awesome to do well i have to say you know as we're rambling down the the road of fishing um and i've been blessed to get to do a lot of cool fishing the coolest thing ever so i was in the northwest territories for um quite quite several months a few months and uh Those fish have never seen people like the, the only thing I've seen as remote as that area is like Tasmania. So when you go to a a lake there, they've never seen man. And so, you you know, you think about this, like people never look at the, I don't want to say genealogy or history, but how did that specific fish get in that area? Did an eagle fly across and drop it? That happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it not hit any migration barriers on its trip up a stream or a creek and end up and, and, and found a, you know, you, you know, 100 years ago, a plentiful food source and stayed in a lake? Well, so when you go where man has not touched and there's fish there, there was no hatchery that dropped him off. There was no helicopter. Nobody horsebacked in. And then you reel in a 50 pound lake trout that have never seen man. I will say the fishing is not hard, but Clay Lancaster was like, dude, you will not believe this fishing. And I, and you know, at the time I'm thinking, dude, I've fished all over the place. It can't be that good. Yeah, it was like so. <laughs> you know, we're throwing out these giant spoons, and we're we're reeling in fish that has never seen man, like legitimately has never seen man. And so, like, we had a helicopter, and so we would see an alpine lake. And when I say alpine lake, we're in, we're in the middle of nowhere, and I mean literally helicopters have to get you there. So we would literally try to figure out where we could land by it, and then bring some poles and like three spoons, and 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 so. I am trying to think a 50, I think it was a 54 inch lake trout was the biggest one I caught. And it was funny. One of the lakes is like maybe an hour from camp and it had a, it had a canoe. Right. So over the hundred years of mountain men and and guides and outfitters and everything else. Well, Clay was like, Hey, you got to wear a a life jacket. He's telling it, which I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm that guy. I don't, I'm not going to wear a life jacket. Right. So I get out in the canoe and I hook on to this fish and it is it is dragging me around this lake and <laughs> you could not have drawn, there's a moose on the shore glunking, looking for a cow, right? There's dull sheep on the mountain above. There's fat me in a canoe getting drug around the lake. And so then clay comes down in an, in an Argo cause there's like an Argo path um, or like a goat path or whatever. And I can hear the Argo, but you gotta walk the last part cause we don't try to you know damage the land. He walks down and i'm out there getting drug around no no <laughs> life jacket on i get the fish in the boat and he's yelling keep it for dinner and it, immediately i am not the guy like i'm not a um there's some people that will not keep a fish right you know, there's other people that keep everything i'm in the middle i'm common sense same here yep if if it's a place where fish numbers are low yeah probably not going to keep them it's they're high i'm eating fish i like to eat fish yep, well yep. i'm thinking okay in like two casts i Reel this thing in. There's probably a lot of these in there. So I get in the canoe, I paddle the shore, and he's like, We're going to make a fire and cook it here. So we make kind of the cradle uh, with aspens or whatever. And he has some seasoning. And I'm like, Is it like this everywhere? And he was like, Dude, you've never seen. He's like, I'm going to get out of Excalibur. That's his fly rod. We're going to hit the, the Keel River. We're going for grayling tomorrow. Oh, cool. And so I'm like, Okay. And I had never caught a grayling. I look like Brad Pitt, dude. Like you could not not catch a fish on this place. So <laughs> we went there and the grayling weren't giant. They were good size for grayling, but yeah. like it was fish that had never seen people.
1: And they fight hard.
0: I was amazed because, you know, you know, clay being raised up there, you know, and grayling up there, I think you can keep, although we didn't because we had all the lake trout. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the first grayling I had, you know, brought in, you know, the, the dorsal fin or just the look of the fish, I was like, and there, you know, cell phones, I didn't, ha- there's no service. Right. So like the only mistake I made was I didn't have a camera. Now I did for the lake trout. Cause I got a photo of one that literally is bigger than me, but it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, when I die, this is probably one of those things that's going to flash in my mind. Cause I'd never seen anything like it. And a few times we would hover over the lake on the shore they literally would lower down. I would hop off the skid because the, uh, the brush right for the tail rotor, they would lower down a, a power saw to me. I would clear out some willows and we would land and fish that. Cause it's never seen people. And what was crazy is you would think you would never get tired of yarding in 30 to 50 inch lake trout. You can get tired of it. Um, <laughs> there's that many cause they don't, they don't know danger. They don't, they've never been, you know, hunted or, or whatever free, you know, uh, like obviously, uh, 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 they could winter kill I guess and I don't know enough about there to speak intelligently sure. but dude if you could ever like I'm thinking I went to Canada for fishing trips I would pay almost like a, an abnormal a, a obscene amount of money to save up to do that literally for just a week because oh, yeah. you know you're in you know, the Mackenzie Mountains doll sheep, That's mountain beautiful. goats, caribou running around and then you know there you are yarding and fish it was amazing dude that
1: sounds like a dream I mean, 50 inch lake trout are so rare anyway. Like, uh, I don't we, think they are up there. <laughs> like, you know, but, <laughs> but like, you know, here in Flaming Gorge, you know, we've got some lake trout like that big, but yeah. dude, that's, that's like the fish of a lifetime for so many people And the kind of picturesque place that you're in. I mean, that's just incredible.
0: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I, you know, act you know, the first, um, you know, it's, you know, talking about fishing stories as a kid, right. Going into Alpine lakes where, you know, you got to hike in or no trail. Sure. And we do that in Colorado and I'm going to do it a ton here. Um, there's nothing better than hitting a lake that doesn't have a trail to it. It's just, it's unbothered. Um, but then, you know, the musky thing that was oh. up pretty high on the list because it went from, we were grouse hunting on the, on the, you know, right or on the shore or whatever on the bank. And I see a duckling get eaten. And I was like, really like, dude i just saw a duck get eaten what was that and he, and he told me and i was like can we catch those and he was looking at me like i was an idiot and i'm like seriously do steelhead and salmon or like whatever cutthroats and brookies sure. and he was like yeah we'll go to the flowage whatever that is right and i'm like all right cool so we went to where there was a dam and he was like they call these the fish at ten thousand casts but it shouldn't take more than about 20 minutes here because people don't fish it and it was a dam and, sure. and just you know ton of bait fish underneath it and I probably caught. I threw a jitterbug out, which literally they gave me this thing, and I'm like, "Dude, humans could fly in this thing. This is giant." <laughs> and he was like, "Just cast it out and give it some play." And I'm like, sure. "All right." I mean, the first fish that hit was a 45 inch musky and destroyed this thing.
1: And oh, I love those. So yeah. that was
0: pretty high on the list. And then Clay went ahead and crushed everything with the the grayling and the the lake trout. It was it was yeah. pretty amazing. So
1: muskies are a really cool creature. Like historic yeah i mean so i've had like tiger muskies where you can see them following your bait you twitch it a couple of times and before you even have time to think they've closed the 10 yard gap between them and your bait they've hit it and they've started going the other way before you even have time to react (laughs) because they're so fast it's ridiculous and they're just such a cool looking fish too i mean you talk about teeth you know like you said yeah they got one really gnarly grill on them but they are you know they're not going to fight you for a long time like a lake trout yeah but it is furious when they are fighting
0: yeah i tell you the only other fish too was a sturgeon so being from oregon the columbia river and i've only for sturgeon fished a few times but the and i don't um like there's certain size of fish you can keep. I think it's 39 inches or whatever it is for sturgeon. And I mean, we're catching like, you know, there's several feet, like as big as the boat. Yeah. And, you know, we're throwing out 10 pound bait, right? Like a 10 pound fish for bait. And, and I don't want to misspeak because I don't know what I'm doing. I was just sitting in the boat. But when we got the one fish to the boat, I I fucker was probably eight feet long.
1: Yeah, and those white sturgeon—I mean, they're huge.
0: Huge. And I literally was like, you know, it almost would be equivalent to me. And I don't—I'm not saying if anybody's ever shot a rhino, it's a bad thing. It's not my thing. I'm not going to go hunt rhino. Mostly, it's my mascot of my company. Now, if there was an overpopulation of rhinos, whatever, more power to you. I might go hunt them. But you know, for me, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, Jesus this is pre this is like before time like older you know than
1: you are too oh,
0: i mean i they were telling me how many hundreds of years they live <laughs> yeah. or they live to a hundred or whatever but you know i'm looking at this fish and i was just like this thing literally has spent an entire life. And i don't know what it weighed three or four hundred pounds it was it was, i don't know i could be it was just giant it was huge yeah and it was funny because when we hooked when you throw like you know what you're about to get into when you throw a 10 pound fish on for bait that was one that and i don't i say that it wasn't I don't want to say it was anticlimactic. I just literally, I wanted to like dissect, not dissect it, but literally learn the species of the fish. And so I started studying them. Dude, sturgeon are amazing. It's insane how big they get. And who knows? I don't know what the world record sturgeon is, but you, what's that guy that fishes all over, like goes into crazy places and, like the
1: the river monsters guys at the one or larry dahlberg or i don't have
0: tv so i just see (laughs) crap on instagram occasionally some of the fish that they pull in oh yeah like it's amazing the fish species in general or 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 just the different fish is like you know they pull crap out and i'm like that's got to have a human inside of it like it's insane (laughs) sturgeon aren't much different i don't know like you know as far as like they're amazing fish
1: they are. Um, here in Wyoming we have a different species of sturgeon and it's not very well known, but it's called a shovel nose sturgeon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're talking about like fishing for white sturgeon, which are the biggest ones. Um, and they eat like dead fish and stuff like that off the bottom. For shovel nose, I guess what you use I've never caught a sturgeon, so that's something on my list to get done. But for a shovel nose, I guess you use like a clump of worms. It's almost like you're fishing for like a catfish or something like that but you just basically have like a bottom rig with a whole bunch of night crawlers on it and you throw it out in the middle of the river and you just wait i guess they have them in like the bighorn river um one of these days i'm gonna have to go up there and go and catch one but they're they're kind of crazy looking because their nose is just like a shovel like you would use in landscaping like it's just kind of got that beveled front it's it's pretty crazy looking i had to look here
0: 12 foot four is the largest white sturgeon ever caught that's insane. That's
1: a big fish. Yeah. I mean, and knowing that it lives in fresh water. Oh yeah. That's, that's just crazy. crazy.
0: And, and Amy's, like I said, she's a deep sea fisherman, she, Florida and whatever, but you know, and I don't, um, like she's bugged me to go down there and I don't, about the most deep sea fishing I'd done was lean cod uh, off a jetty in Oregon, you know, like oh, with a yeah. giant yeah. jig. In fact, Kenny was talking about that the other day about getting swept away as a kid. Cause you can get <laughs> swept away on a jetty pretty quick, but the, uh, the, 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 when to me in in the way that my brain works or whatever reeling in like an 18 to 22 inch uh you know brook trout off four four pound test that's a fight of your life really or if you have two pound you know leader but then i go back and i'm like yeah we did reel in a nine 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 and a half foot eight and a half foot sturgeon it's different <laughs> excitement but it is it is totally different
1: i i guess experience too yeah and fishing like the ocean i worry about like i've done it a handful of times But it is addicting, man, because those fish are so freakishly strong in the ocean that like, once you do it, it kind of gets addicting, and I'm like, I don't know if I should go back and do that some more, but yeah, I don't know. There is definitely a difference between catching you know a decent sized trout on really light line and catching really big fish on really heavy line it's just a different experience but they're both fun and they both have their merits for sure
0: yeah yeah and the only thing i really like i said i can't speak like at all on is deep sea fishing i just at some point i'm gonna have to go down her and go down and fish but you know for for me like if somebody said hey man you know next weekend you're you know it would take a lot for me to not go fishing. Um, I've hunted enough that, you know, if I if I drew a good tag and needed a scout, okay. But sure. if it's like, hey, uh, like bass fishing for me, I it's kind of like the 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 late onset of whitetail hunting for me. I had posted before, people had asked, and I was like, you know what? If I had to choose right now between elk and whitetail, elk might lose, right? Because I've hunted elk my whole life. Whitetail hunting is fun. Well, Going bass fishing, dude. I mean, there's something about creeping around this nasty-looking pond with logs and and crap all over the place, and then yarding in ten-pound bass or whatever. Actually, my smallmouth bass story: being a young guy moving to Minnesota, not knowing what a five-pound smallmouth meant because I had no idea. It's a big deal. I had put a shower in for a lady, a shower door. I was working in the um. And she was probably sixty-five, seventy, and she had a giant pond, kind of a rock quarry pond at her house. And I was like, Hey, ma'am, can I fish that? she was like, oh yeah, just don't keep very many. She had some parameters. I'm like, okay. And you know, it's very polite. And I was like, can can I do anything for you? She's like, no, just come say hi. She was, you know, a a single, whatever her husband had died and she'd shoot shit with me and I would bring a float tube. And uh, sometimes I'd use it. Sometimes I wouldn't, but you know, I'm literally reading everything Al Linder has ever typed or, or I'm watching the end fisherman and I'm like, okay, this is a Texas rig. Okay. This is applicable for this. And Literally winging it, Uh, but I I know how to fish. But like I'm like, okay, so I run it through this way, and I hook it back here, and then this thing's all right, easy enough. Let's go. So I am I am catching large smallmouth in this pond. I don't know what a five pound smallmouth meant, and so I go back to this place that I'd worked, and and they're not very ethical people. In fact, I hope they listen to this, even though it's two decades ago. They snaked that lake from me. They went and uh-huh. paid her to fish it, which whatever learning experience, but I'm first time catching smallmouth and I'm in a float tube and I'm, you know, taking pictures with, you know, the, these fish, I had a buddy with me. And, uh, I go back and I'm showing these guys and I'm like, look at these fish. It's, but I didn't know it'd be like a guy saying, look at this 350 inch bull yeah where'd you get that you know that was the kind of they were sure. like where'd you catch that and i was like oh this lady i put her shower door in well um that was a learning experience but it also got my addiction for for bass fishing going and i literally like am like the equivalent of googling right that was the in fisherman and al linder's voice like i played it for amy the other night
1: <laughs> i love I, that guy
0: oh yeah i was like believe me you hear him from a mile away oh. you're like oh there's the in fisherman guys but those dudes know what they're doing
1: oh he does and yeah. He's one of my favorite people in the industry. He's just such a nice man. And yeah, smallmouth bass. What I love about them is they give it everything they've got. They're you know, it's probably one of my favorite fish all time to catch, just because when a smallmouth gives you a fight and they give you every ounce that they've got. I yeah. mean, they really get after it.
0: They do in a flow tube, I can tell you that cuz that's what I was. using <laughs> uh, yeah. We we uh some of those lakes, I don't want to keep you on too much longer. I'm not a great trailer backer upper. And so when you talk about a single axle with a small boat and a yeah. big truck. So we, you know, my buddy had a boat. It wasn't a big boat. Um, but he had a big truck. And uh give you an idea how small a boat it was. He was a big dude. He was like 6 7 uh in some of those lakes you know everyone is docking about the same time well there was probably 30 people behind us it got so bad we picked up the trailer with the boat (laughs) on it to angle it the right direction and there was literally people clapping behind us to to get it in I'm like I gotta work on my trailer backer upper skills and I remember when I drove by the good dude yelled at me he goes single axle with a 16 inch boat and a 20 foot truck sucks or whatever he said. You know, I was like, well, I, if I, I literally would have, I was hoping someone would get out of their truck to, to help us. Cause you have to get back it up against the dock. Yeah. And literally I got to a point, I'm like, George, just shoot it anywhere in the water. I'll get in the boat. Right. I'll paddle over. It's not a big deal, but yeah. Uh, funny, funny fishing times. Uh, it was funny too. Cause that day, like we, we bass fished all day. I did not really know what I was doing, but I literally was like, okay, I never understood why BASS was so popular. That's like NASCAR. Oh, it's yeah, a culture. It's insane. But I
1: tell you, watching people down the shore,
0: uh, what do they
1: call that where they're skipping it in? Um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right? The- escaping me at the moment but yeah just like firing it in under the docks yeah i'm watching yeah all these guys do this yeah i'm like okay i got a lot to learn but um, see and i'm in wyoming so we don't have all those docks so i don't know how to do that
0: (laughs) yeah i didn't know how to do it either i still don't i know how to bird's nest trying Um, (laughs) with a baitcaster
1: that's easy too yeah yeah, oh my my gosh gosh.
0: was there anything you want to add
1: um you know whether it be
0: fishing wyoming
1: the business council riverton anything I, you know, it's just been a pleasure to be on. I'm grateful for the opportunity, but yeah, Wyoming's a great place. You know, it's been my home my whole life, and you know, as far as a wild place and a fun place to go and vacation and fish and do things, like it's it's an incredible place. Like you'd be hard pressed to find somewhere better than Wyoming just uh, as he says that do not move here from another state and try to turn it into the state
0: you left <laughs> yeah, because don't the do state that. you left sucks yeah. yeah if you if the state you left sucks keep that in mind when you when you try to move i i am yeah. dude i can't say enough about riverton and obviously working with you but the you know the community in general like it's literally it's small enough that i don't have to deal with any bs but big yeah. enough to have everything we need like like Blowdorns and some of the other hardware stores Sure. I go around grab my drill gun screws whatever it's got a there's a walmart here there's you know we were wondering as far as amy's like all organic is cooking yeah there's there's plenty of stores here like that that oh. whether it be here lander or both you know there's stores
1: around yeah and dude there's like a huge movement around here for you know getting organic protein so if like you want you know farm-raised chickens here that haven't been in one of those big factories you can get them you can get farm-raised pigs here that, you know, are really good for you. I mean, there's, there's so many things here. It's, it's, it's a great community to live in. Lots of great friendly people.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done as far as helping out Kafaru and, uh, you know, McKenzie and I, as far as the different, uh, you know, things we're working on, you know, bringing more jobs into the community. And then, uh, you know, thanks for hopping on here and talking fishing when you had brought it up, uh you know that you were more of a fisherman the other day i'm like (laughs) yeah dude you're getting on the podcast this will be perfect so
1: yeah and you know there's a lot of good information out there like if you guys are you know wanting information on you know fishing wyoming you can always get a hold of me too like you can find me on instagram at, at angling wyoming like that's what i do right so um feel free to send me a message ask me questions um I'm not going to give you all my honey holes, but I can certainly point you the right direction. I get that one a lot. I'm not looking for a
0: 350 bull, but if you want <laughs> but, to. Yeah. What drainage? Uh, exactly. So, yeah. Well, no, uh, thanks again, man, for, for hopping yeah, on. And absolutely. then, yeah, at some point in time, we'll have to go fishing, whether it be in an alpine lake or something, whenever my life calms down a little bit. So. Yeah, that might be a while it could be so either way well yeah thanks again and uh, yeah i'm sure i'll talk to you tomorrow but i appreciate you coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me on i'm grateful